Gee, golly gosh, Glorioski! Thought Mary Sue as she stepped on the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only fifteen and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up to her. Oh, Lieutenant, I love you madly. Will you come to bed with me? Captain, I'm not that kind of girl. You're right, and I respect you for it. Here, take over the ship for a minute while I go get some coffee for us. Mr. Spock came onto the bridge. What are you doing in the command seat, Lieutenant? The captain told me to. Flawlessly logical. I admire your mind. Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott beamed down with Lieutenant Mary Sue to wriggle 37. Rigel. They were attacked... Huh? Rigel. Rigel? Rigel? You sure? Yes. They were, <laughs> they were attacked by green androids and thrown into prison. In a moment of weakness, Lieutenant Mary Sue revealed to Mr. Spock that she too was half Vulcan. Recovering quickly, she sprung the lock with her hairpin and they all got away back to the ship. But back on board, Dr. McCoy and Lieutenant Mary Sue found out that the men who had beamed down were seriously stricken by the jumping cold... Robbies? The fuck is that? It's an illness. It's a space illness and it's serious. Is it? Oh, I thought it was like cold rabies, like they got bit by some space demon dog. Anyways, Mary Sue less so. Well, <laughs> well, the four officers languished in sickbay, Lieutenant Mary Sue ran the ship, and ran it so well she received the Nobel Peace Prize, the Vulcan Order of Gallantry, and the Traffle... Traffle Midorian Order of Good Guyhood. Oh, that's not even a real one! However, the disease finally got to her, and she fell fatally ill. In the sickbay... As she breathed her last, she was surrounded by Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott, all weeping unashamedly at the loss of her beautiful youth and youthful beauty, intelligence capable, and all-around niceness. Even to this day, her birthday is a national holiday aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> Yay! I hate you. <clears throat> Glad we're talking about Star Wars. So... Um, that was, of course, uh, Mary Sue fan fiction. Um, the, the, it was titled A Trekkie's Tale, uh, written by Paula Smith back in 1973 to make fun of all the terrible fan fiction being submitted to her fanzine. It's funny how, like, it's, it still holds up, right? Like, that, that reads like a thing I could go on DeviantArt and find right the fuck now. Well, I mean, you, you listen to Jenny Nicholson sometimes. She'll read fan fiction about, like, One Direction, and it's, like, modern stuff. It's literally written just like this. Yeah. It's always, like, a 15-year-old girl that's amazing at everything. I've been told Jenny Nicholson didn't like the new Star Wars movie for an hour. Yeah. That seems like a long time to spend on something you don't like. Yeah, I guess. Um, I feel like there's a lot to unpack and talk about. I don't know that she necessarily dug into constructive criticism that well. She's funny, and that's why you go to her channel. Yeah. So, or and you know, also she talks about like Disney rides and stuff. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I was just I was thinking a lot about Mary Sue's and and weak characters and stuff. It got me thinking about like we we use the word Mary Sue, but I feel like a lot of people haven't actually taken the time to hear this story that it comes from. Yeah. Because it, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, and also it. There's a difference between like a not very flawed character, a flawless character, and then someone who is literally worshipped by everybody. What also like outperforms everyone, and also addresses every problem immediately. Right, and I like Twilight's so easy to bag on, and I feel like we if we've talked about this before, I probably brought up Twilight, but Bella Swan is really pretty, everyone wants to be her friend, everyone likes her, when she gets vampire powers, she doesn't really have to, like, acclimate, she's just good at it. Like, she is this kind of character. And she's supposed to be flawed in that she's clumsy, but it makes her endearing. And, like, there's a very big difference between that and then someone who is kind of plot-strong or you just don't like, so you're gonna throw out the term Mary Sue because 
That's what everybody else is doing. Oh, wait. I want to introduce the show. This is Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. Our opinions are worth dirt fuck nothing tonight. And, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we're talking about Mary Sue stuff. And, yeah, you're right. There's a difference. Um,. Now, you also, you brought up a point, we were talking about this earlier, that pretty sure we kind of talked about, like, flawed characters in the past. Yeah. Um, I <clears throat> I was thinking about it, and then I had that dumb idea, like, I had a dumb comment that you thought was funny. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that was a good way to, to, to skew the show if we, if we have to. So, I kind of want to talk about it, but if, if you're good at a video game, is the video game protagonist a Mary Sue? I, I love that question. One, it's kind of stupid and no one cares. But two, also, it is an interesting debate I'm, I'm surprised I don't see people having. Because how you play, like, Gears of War, how good you are at the game, how you approach conflict, establishes something about the character you're playing, right? Like, if you're really good at sniping, so all you do is stay in the back and snipe and you never really get shot at, that says something about the character then versus you grab a shotgun and run in and hope to god they miss so you can you know pose them in two shots like one's really methodical one's really reckless that informs the character as a whole who has these other attributes that the writers have given them and i like that idea i think that's interesting yeah and there's there's games where there's conflict like even in gears of war if you're really good there's still like you're shooting and you're still taking cover Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about, like, if you speedrun Zelda, and there's a part where you know you gotta run over here and grab the chicken egg, because in half an hour someone's gonna say, I missed my chicken, and you're just conveniently gonna go, oh, I happen to pick up this chicken egg, here you go. And it, within the context of what you're watching, it's kind of like, wait a minute, how did he know to carry a chicken egg with him? Yeah, or like, if you speedrun Mario, and it's just like, so what, this flat fat plumber can just jump over everything kill the dragon in one hit, and then go fuck the princess. That's unrealistic. Right. And it's just a funny thought to to think about. Is Mario the best Mary Sue? Because people don't hate him for being overpowered. Right. And it just did... The conversations around video games and the conversations around uh, movies and stuff are, are understandably different because we approach them differently, but it's like, if you're watching a, a movie, the director is the one in control, but if you're playing a video game, you have a large amount of control. Like, you're partly the director because you're calling the shots uh, in a very literal sense in some cases. Very much so. I I was talking about Hitman. The game feels totally different when you're not sure how to address a situation versus, like, when you're, you're handed it. So when you're playing, you can actually set a mode where it's, like, it'll highlight quest objectives... So you pick an approach at the start, and you say, "I'm gonna, um, <clears throat> I'm gonna investigate the suspicious guy wearing the mascot costume," and so it tells you where to go to find him. And when you find him, it tells you how to get his costume, and then it, like, and it spoon feeds you step by step what's gonna happen next, and that way you can build what you're going around with it. But it also feels really convenient. Sure, like it's almost too convenient where. It might be fun to play this way, but if someone was watching, it's not interesting to know, oh, that person is going to show up on that corner in, like, 30 minutes. But if you genuinely stumble upon it, like, if you turn off the hints, it's this amazing experience that you really risk missing out on a lot of details, because you're going to miss them. Sure. And it's interesting just from a storytelling element, like, are you supposed to care or not? I guess the other question, as far as this is, how does this apply to MMOs? Because I remember when I was playing World of Warcraft, and you go and beat a raid, and it's like the world treats you like you're a hero. And once you have the raid on farm, though, and no one ever dies, and you're getting all this loot, and what stuff you don't want, you're just getting rid of and turning into money. Like, you as a character, you're, it's very, it's a different experience, right? And, like, the world sees you the, as this hero, and you're just like, no, man, this is, like, the lottery for me. I just walk in, and I push a button, and I walk out with fat stacks of cash, because I'm so good at gambling. And it's just, it's such a meaningless conversation to have in a way, because it doesn't really, like, change the way you play the game at all. But I feel like people don't think about how video games operate 
as much as they could, like from like almost like a literary perspective, because I remember writing essays on poems and shit, right? And it's like, okay, the speaker of the poem is not the poet. Those are very different things. But in a video game, like, you know, are you the character? Or are you just controlling the character? And in, in like something like an MMO, you are the character. It's an avatar. But in something with a, a bigger story, not so much. And so there's this line that blurs, and it really just maybe says something. I don't know. I'm I'm on my second drink, and they're stiff tonight. Well, I mean, you're not wrong though. You're you're getting into the context of the game really matters. Like with an MMO, I feel like there's the the this is as long as MMOs have been around. The question is, how do you feel good as a player? when there's a million of you yeah without feeling like you have to feel special that you're you but also you can't just be stronger than everyone around you like you're all on an even playing field so what do you really do like how do you design around this and the same thing applies narratively are you the character the important character or are you one in a million because they try to make you feel important right like if you're teaming up with illidan who's a big name in World of Warcraft lore to go stop an even bigger bad guy. Like, that's fucking cool. But then everyone else is doing it too because a thousand guilds have the raid on farm. And then it's like, oh, well, when you look at it that way, it's just we're just playing the same game. Yeah, what, what really bugs me is uh, if you look at those older raids, you, the player, were like kind of faceless. And even yeah. though you get to experience it, it's like when you stop the Lich King... A cinematic plays where it's like the the plot important characters are there, and they're like, "We'll handle this." Ah, it was resolved, but it's our secret, and he winks to the camera. Um, but it's good that they resolved their story. And yeah. more recently, they've been doing these like scenes where they put your character into the scene, so you're the one like holding the chosen Excalibur sword to to stop the bad guy, and it's like it's too personal that. It's implying that your goblin is the one that's wielding the doom hammer or whatever. And it's like, I don't even like that. It It's <laughs> supposed to make you feel better, but it's like, this is so stupid. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I felt that especially with, uh, with my Tauren because like Tauren aren't paladins. That's a, that's a human thing. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that they made me king of paladins and gave me the, their most powerful paladin sword and I'm in charge of their church, and it's like, we're literally in, like, a race war, and I don't speak your language. It's interesting, though, too, because there's the reverse, right, where, like, if I'm playing Aliens vs. Predator, and I'm playing a Predator, the whole point, if you watch the movies, is that, like, it's this nonstop killing machine that's invisible, has the best weapons, and it's just hunting humans for fun. And so if you're playing well and you're playing right, you feel like a badass, and you're like, yeah, I'm the fucking Predator, this is great, I'm so overpowered, and that's why I'm here. But if you play like shit, you're like, I don't feel like the Predator. Fuck, everybody's seeing me, and they're shooting me with grenades, and those hurt a lot. Like, It's weird, because games are trying to do different things. Some of them are like legit power fantasies. And so the idea of, like, I literally am playing this game so I can feel like a Mary Sue and be the strongest and prettiest and bestest character in the world and save the day. And that's totally fine, because it's a video game, and you want to kill everybody, and that's okay. And it's funny that if you're the one having the power fantasy, it's fine. If someone else is having the power fantasy, it's, like, offensive. Yeah. Um, I So I got another Space Station 13 story, if you want to hear it. I love your Space Station 13 stories because they're fucking weird. It's a it's a weird game. So we're, we're playing a normal round, and, uh, and I, I pick Janitor because it's the one job I'm really, really good at. Like... All the janitor things I understand. So if someone asks me to do blank, I'm on it, you know? <clears throat> it's very, very simple. I'm not bragging, but it's just that I'm comfortable but being a janitor. And mm. I just like my janitor character. You know, as I'm walking around, I got my uniform on, I got my trusty mop. Uh, it's a pretty normal shift. And on the PA, uh, an announcement goes off. It says, uh, we need uh, help with the mice in uh, hydroponics. There's a bunch of mice in the garden next to the kitchen. So I go down to the kitchen, and the other janitor's there. And is oh, the door's locked. It's like, okay, well, where's the botanist? Uh, so we call for the botanist. Turns out they went down to the surface with an exploration crew, and they're they're investigating alien plants or something. So it's like, well, we could wait for them to come back, uh, or we could ask security for help. 
So we PA security. Hey, can you unlock the door for us? Like, yeah, okay. Security comes over, lets us in, um, and then leaves. So the door closes and we can't get out. And it's like, okay, well, this is cool. So the two of us janitors, we we clean up all the rats. We, uh, we you know, botany rooms all sourced, whatever. And it's like, okay, I guess we can call security back to, to let us out. And then the power goes out, which means our comms are down too. Oh. And the lights cut out. And it's like, well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> and then, then we heard an explosion. And it's like, that's not a good sign. <clears throat> so the two of us are like, we're hanging out for a while. And it's like, okay, it's been too long. Somebody should have come by by now. So we broke the glass. Like we're throwing chairs against the window. And eventually we broke the glass. We climb out of a, out of hydroponics. We got our flashlights on. And we're exploring this space station that it had people in it. And it's just eerily quiet now. And it felt like a movie. Like it, this was turning into an alien situation. Nice. And we're, we're walking around and we go to the play hallway. This game with you. It, you should. It's weird. But uh, we're, we're walking around and it's got this weird. Uh, when the lights are out, it plays creepy sounds. So it's hard to tell if there's actually something in the rafters or if it just sounds like that. So we're both, like, getting skittish and walking around with our flashlights and investigating stuff. And it's like, okay, what is going on? And we, we walk down the hallway and we go towards the center. Because this uh, the space station set up kind of like a T or a cross. And we're at the far end of one of the arms. So it's like, well, let's just go to the center and see what's going on. We get to the center and <laughs> half of the station has been, um like, sectioned off with uh, temporary, like, inflatable emergency doors. And it's like, well, that's not a good sign because they're like manually put down. So somebody thought it was important to put up, like erect all these doors. So I run up to one of the doors and I'm trying to look through the glass through it. And on the other side, I can see um, there's streaks of blood and someone that's dead that was crawling towards the door. And it's like, okay, something happened over there. That's This is odd. Terrifying. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Um, but we, we got another hallway we can walk down that's not quartered off. So it's like, okay, let's go down this way. And we're, <laughs> we're walking around, and then some of the power cuts back on. And the, the lights are down, but we have comms again. So we're like, hey, the janitors are here. What happened? It's like, there was an explosion in engineering. And then we, we went to security, and someone raided the, um, the weapons locker. So none of the security guards have weapons. And it's like, okay, so what do we what do we do? It's like like it's it's not safe to talk over the comms. Um just you know, keep an eye out for us. So we're going down the hallway and we're like ducking into like maintenance shafts just to like <laughs> to not be in the open because it's not clear exactly like what who's the traitor, what's going on exactly. Was the explosion an accident? Oh, it's this pop up. Um we we find somebody from security and they're like, Oh, down this way. So two of us janitors walk with the security and they go back and they, they converted a bathroom into a temporary like uh, base of operations. And As they, you do. They, yeah. And they had clubs, but it's kind of like, you know, we don't have any other actual tools. Um, and we're trying to figure out like, what do we do? Like, do we get to one of the escape shuttles? Like, do, you know, do we do, are there traders? Like, yeah, there's, there's three traders and their demands are that we leave, but that means that something's on the station that they want. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, what do we do? And they're like, well, okay, why don't you two janitors just replace as many lights as you can and try to get the lights up now that the power's on. So the two of us fan out, and we're just trying to restore light to the station. And that's when I hear, like, electricity and laser guns. (laughs) And it's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So I run back, and the other janitor runs back. Like, we meet, and we run down the hallway, and the security guys are all dead. (laughs) Oh no! It's like okay, this isn't good. But then there's a guy who is hiding in a locker. He he jumps out. And he says, "Guys, guys, this way." Oh, I'm like what? It's like I'm with cargo. We can get we can hide in the cargo bay. So he leads us further down the hallway that like I've never been down. And we're running down there, and he he scans this thing, and he lets us into cargo. And he's like, "Okay, we're in cargo. I can order supplies here. I'm gonna order a bunch of guns and body armor." It's like okay, how long will it take? It's like well, the next supply shuttle's in like ten minutes. So we have to hide, but I'm gonna order these real quick. That's a, that's a long time to to live in this game, I think. Yeah. So it's like okay, I mean, that, we don't have any other options. Um. <laughs> so 
so like we're we're holed up in cargo or bay whatever and um and there was another survivor like the chef came by and was like come on in here and we're we're getting ready and it's like we're we're pegged down in this corner it's not a great defensible position because there's like there's only one way to get out so if they sh- if the bad guys show up early then we're dead um so i decide to like start improvising weapons it's like i'm not going to be caught you know, not ready. I'd rather have real right. weapons, but I'm going through all the cargo stuff. I found this big wrench and a hard hat, and I, I rolled down my jumpsuit so I look like an action hero, and I'm just going into full, like, Sigourney Weaver mode. Okay, so the, the, the graphics on this game are very largely 8-bit, right? So you can actually roll down your jumpsuit? Like, is that actually, like, pixel art in the game? Yeah. This game has everything. I can't fucking believe what they've managed to put in this. It's a mess. It has a lot of creative things in it, but it's also a huge mess. Yeah. Um. But anyways, <laughs> like the two of us janitors, we're like, well, we're not gonna, you know, take this line down. Um. So we're like suiting up and we're getting ready for combat and we're like figuring out our ambush po- ambush positions if they uh if they hack the door to get in. And um and somebody on 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 chat was like, I swear to God, if the janitors save the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking kill myself. <laughs> And, <laughs> but it was like we were the only ones who were like like we're not just gonna like wait to die um and it was just like i was in this feeling where we're outmanned we're outgunned and we don't have information so how do we fix this and normally when you're playing a video game there is a a, a route to success right but this is such a multiplayer thing that there's not like a pre-programmed solution you know this isn't a point and click adventure where i can win it's like against odds that I'll win. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting for me to stop and think about how this is so much more interesting than like a Jedi order or whatever, where it's like every situation is like, yeah, I'm going to push a button and the thing will die. I, you know, it, it, I'm never going to, I'm not going to lose. Right. I might die and have to try again, but like the, the character won't die. And with this, it's like, I might die. <laughs> This might be over if I mess up. What's really um, funny about this, too, before you finish, is that yeah. like I work in a maintenance department, and so the custodians are part of the maintenance department. And I'm trying to like think, like if I were trying to explain to these like 55-year-old men this game, and it's like, no, the custodian like is, is the person that might save the day because they put a bunch of light bulbs in. They would look at me and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it would be really funny. Well, go on, please. So part of my strategy was I had my mop bucket with me. So over by the door, um, I just kept mopping the floor so it would be slippery. So if anyone came through, they'd slip. And I was hoping that would be just enough time to jump on them and maybe like rip off their helmet or, or take their gun from them or something. Because um, it's like I don't have any other tools. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing that. <clears throat> and then somebody says, hey, you should come over here because there's a, there's a secret uh, hideaway room that we, we put the illegal cargo in. It's like, oh, okay. So we walk over there, and then that chef that we let in earlier, he opens the door, and then the bad guys walk in. And it's like, oh, he was a traitor too, and we shouldn't have trusted him. Um, And then one of the bad guys slipped on the mop water and got really mad and killed me with a lightsaber. <laughs> and it was like, oh, man. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't believe I messed up. And it, <laughs> what made me feel better later was apparently, like, I, I was watching the, the round keep going. Eventually, the whole station blew up. Oh, there you go. And then it turned out afterwards, the, the chef that let the guys in, um, he wasn't actually a traitor. And he was cheating to help his friends win. Oh, that's And it turned into this asshole. big controversy that he ruined the whole thing. And it's like, no, the station would have blown up anyways. It doesn't matter that the janitors weren't going to save the day. And pe- and people are, like, getting mad because, like, you, when you die, you can ghost watch. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize it, but I, well, we had an audience because the janitors were, like, the ones that became the protagonists of the story for a little bit. That's really cool. It's a shame yeah. that he was, like cheating off screen or whatever with the dude but also like like you said like if it if the ship blew up and everybody died anyways like does it matter it, it didn't bug me that much but it, sure. it was a in the discord chat like people were getting livid which i thought was funny it's funny but also like th- there are certain like like these like social rules you adhere to when you play a game like this right and like he was breaking those rules yeah and it's like why would you break the rules to win or lose at this game it's like that's like so not the point 
you're not playing a badass. You're playing a character who you you know with a specific job. Like this is supposed to be a day in the life of, and then something goes wrong. And so like, oh, the day in the life of, but I win, is like the Mary Sue thing, right? Like they were basically cheating to do that. But in this case, it's bad. But if you're playing a single player game, it's good because you have the uh, the empowerment. Unless you're well, you playing know, like a Dark Souls game, then you get pissed off because it's too easy or whatever. Yeah, so I didn't mean for this to tie in so much, but I, that's a very interesting point that the guys cheating were basically Mary Sue's because they have they have contacts at every chain of command and they, they have access to the weapons and they have access to the the logs and stuff. So they could just always make correct decisions. Right. And it's like, wow, that actually is just a, how you would write a Mary Sue character. On, on a mission to sabotage the space station. Yeah, and the, there, there is a reverse story. Like, I've definitely played games where I get mad if I think it's too easy. Because, obviously, games, they want you want a challenge, but you don't only want a certain level of a challenge, because if it's too hard, you kind of start losing the immersion, or you get frustrated, which is why I've only played Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 the one time, and my brother was there to help me. Uh, because those games are fucking hard. But I remember playing, I think it was Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess, one of those two Zelda games, and it was just so easy. I think it was I think it was uh, Twilight Princess that I was getting frustrated because I was like, man, I've played this for like 30 hours and I have not died once. I don't even know what the death screen looks like. Yeah. And, and you know, so there's there's a reverse there where depending on what you're playing like or what you're trying to do, like I, I want to be a hero and save Hyrule, but I want it to be kind of hard. <laughs> Yeah, and you know that's that's my problem with Jedi Fallen Order right now is if you play in the hard mode, I don't mind dying over and over, but the load screens are so long that it's boring. So I bumped it down to easy because it's like, well, I'm just tired of dying. I want to see progression. And when you bump it down easy, I'm accidentally deflecting lasers back because it's like the window to deflect it is so wide that it's like, oh, I'm just randomly hitting buttons and killing everything. Sure. And I can't find the middle ground where I'm dying just enough that I feel a challenge, but I'm not bored by the load screen. Gears 5 has really fucking nasty load times. Are you looking for the, the new Xbox? No. With the solid state drive in it? Is that all it has? Is it like a new console or is it like a .5 console? Um, I don't know what a new console would be. Like, there will eventually be like a PlayStation 5, right? Well, oh yeah, so yeah, it's a new one. So is it like that for Xbox, or is it like yeah. Xbox, new Xbox 365.4? No, they, they announced the new Xbox console. I'm surprised I don't give a shit, but I, I just really don't. It, I'm surprised that people aren't talking about they announced a new game console, and like no one seems to care. Microsoft is probably super confused. Uh, yeah, it's called the Xbox Series X. Probably because it has a fucking awful name. Which you can abbreviate to Xbox Sex. I like that. And it's a. It looks like a rectangle. Did you you can't have sex with it? a rectangle unless you get a drill, make a hole, and then fuck the hole. And you're having <laughs> sex with a rectangle. So, is um is the Xbox Series X a Mary Sue? No, because no one loves it. <laughs> so. Anyways, I guess what what brought me back to the Mary Sue thing was that we have like this annual tradition now of debating if if a uh, Ray Palpatine is a Mary Sue. Ray Palpatine. Um, man, I'm bugged. <laughs> I'm bugged by the the fact that they gave her a name. Do you think Do you think they called him Palpatine Tiny Penis in high school, and he got really mad, and that's why he wanted to become the Senate? I think if he had a, a Palpatine tiny penis, then he wouldn't have had a granddaughter. No, he can still he can still come inside a woman's vagina. I don't know. It doesn't matter how big it is, as long as there's a good spread, like a shotgun that, spread. So, so you saw the movie, right? I did. Yeah. You saw the chimpanzee that fixed Kylo Ren's helmet. Yeah. Was that a callback to when Palpatine had chimpanzee eyes? <laughs> what? <laughs> But like, was that a reference? And it's like a metaphor for how Palpatine's still controlling him and like giving him the tools that he needs to go on his path. I no, I feel like that was a almost like J.J. Abrams going backwards and being like, actually, he still wants to be evil until I decide he doesn't want to be evil. I thought it was really weird that he rebuilt this helmet. 
actually. Like, thematically, I don't know how much sense it made. It looked fucking cool. And I like that people are like, nice helmet, Kylo. Thumbs up. <laughs> ah, what I, You know, everyone's talked to the movie to death. I want to... We, we should maybe do an episode... Remember when we tried to rewrite Last Jedi? Yeah. We could maybe pitch like what we, how we would have concluded these nine movie trilogy. Um, yeah, but that'll I, be I, another time. I, I just want let's talk about Ray. Do you think Ray is a Mary Sue? No, I want to say no. My my gut reaction to that is, for one thing, at least in the third movie, she's really really enchanted by the dark side, which means she's got like that. That's a character flaw, right? Like the dark side's bad, so she's. Uh, almost there, she's she's fantasizing about it, and she's worried about it, but she's still leaning towards it. And I had this conversation with my brother with the force healing thing. is Because some people were mad that, like, oh, she can just force heal. What if they could do that in the other movies? Then Qui-Gon Jinn would still be alive, and so-and-so, and so-and-so would still be alive. And it's like, in most fantasy media, the, the magic of taking health from something and giving it to something else is dark magic. That's not a thing good people do. And so even though it's her own, it's still, like, Basically, a kind of like necromancy magic. So that was a big tip off to me. I was like, "That's kind of fucked up." She could do that. Well, that I mean, she's that's, stealing that's from literally, herself. That's literally what Palpatine and Darth Vader were after, right? And so that's that people were mad about this. And it's like, no, this literally says something about her character that she is really enchanted by evil magic and evil Seth bullshit. It's character progression. It isn't like. It's not Mary Sue shit that, oh, she can just save people, too. Like, you have to, like, think about it a little more than just plot. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is what kind of bugs me with with the Mary Sue thing. I feel like Star Wars isn't a great medium to debate whether or not someone is overpowered. Probably not. Um, I feel like it's maybe nitpicky, but the fact is within just the movies like ignore the expanded universe ignore books and comics just the movies force powers are so grossly inconsistent it's it's weird that people will ignore certain things and then get fussy about other things well it also goes back to the the thing we read at the beginning right where this is like the real mary this is where it started this character everyone loves him or her basically no flaws other than flawless right and and I feel like Ray doesn't fit either of those things because Ray feels like a character. Even when she's at her most powerful and things are going her way, there's still like so much insecurities to her and like doubt and self-reflection and stuff that if you're reading like shitty fan fiction just doesn't exist. Because the, the, there's at least something compelling about Ray. The problem is, is like she gets over plot problems too easy. But... And I've said this before, a good story is not fucking about plot, it's about character and it's about themes. And the new Star Wars movies do a decent job with those. Everybody's firing on all cylinders there. Mostly. Mostly. Yes. I agree problems. with that. I, I, I wonder, I guess with, with, the, with the race stuff and how people like to complain about her like being good at everything, I, I picture her like in the first movie... When Han Solo gives her a gun and it's like she has the safety on, it's like she doesn't know how to use it right. But she's like, oh, yeah, I know how to use a gun. And I feel like people remember her bluffing and saying that she knows how to use a gun. And they're like, great, she even knows how to use a gun right. And it's like, no, watch the, watch the movie. Right. Like, watch the scene when where she pulls the gun on a stormtrooper and it's not shooting and she has to, like, turn it on. Like, I, I know that's a little thing compared to how she just magically knows how to use the force to trick people. But we're talking about a magical force that makes people do things. I feel like so she's don't, susceptible to that just as much as anyone else. They don't almost appreciate like with the it was the biggest discussion I think in the first movie because she was able to do stuff easily and she was good at combat and all this other shit. But it's not like her upbringing was good, right? Like she's a certain age. She's she's an adult. She's had a very rough life. And it to me, it, it just made sense that she had to learn how to fight. She had to learn how to hotwire machine. She had to learn how to do this and that because all she had was like herself and maybe a few friends that aren't around anymore. Like her backstory was rough. She was abandoned as a kid. She has no idea who she is. She's on a shit fuck planet. She's scavenging scrap for money. Probably has no, you know, is is poor as shit. Like all of these Why? things that are are yeah. 
mentioned yeah. but not shown so much, which is maybe the real flaw of the, of the prequels or the, not the prequels, the new trilogy is there's a lot of telling and not enough showing. Um, but it's still like it's information that's given, and you have to just extrapolate that. Oh, it makes sense that she's good at some of this stuff or knows how to improvise. She's been doing that her entire fucking life. Yeah. What, what kind of bugs me is when uh, Luke Skywalker is like the best pilot ever because he's some kid that grew up on a dirt farm. And it's like, I, I, I'm i sure he's very good at his T-16 or whatever, but it's also kind of weird to think you could just put him in a military jet and he's like, oh yeah, I can do this. And like, no, it's not like Dustin Crops. And then his friend's like, it's exactly like Dustin Crops. You're fine. <laughs> um, it, it's like, it's fun because it's just a fun adventure. I don't know why The Force Awakens is put on this pedestal that it has to be Citizen Kane. I don't need, like, people put Star Wars, the, the original trilogy on this pedestal and are like, these are great. And those movies were absolutely revolutionary and groundbreaking. I will not take that away from them. But they're also kind of stupid and they're rough and they retcon each other quite a bit and Luke's a whiny bitch in the beginning and then he's like really cool and dressed like a Sith in the end and like they're fairly inconsistent and you can tell so much was made up as they went but there's a charm to it and I feel like the the new trilogy in a way lacks the charm because it's got like Disney behind it and there's certain things that need to be met to appease to shareholders okay I got a controversial one Go ahead. Is James Bond a Mary Sue? Oh, God. I haven't seen a James Bond movie in a super long time. I know there's different iterations of James Bond, but like, I guess my my view of him is almost yes, because he does cool action shit. He fucking gets the girl. He gets the evil girl, too. Sometimes at the same time, maybe. I don't know. He looks like a dude that has a lot of threesomes. He drinks a lot, but in a way that's cool, not alcoholic-y, and he gets to save the day. Yeah, he's just, he's so charismatic that, like, he can walk into any situation and just be like, I like my drink done this way, instead of being like, oh, here's this douche. It's like, oh, right away, Mr. Sir, what's what's your name? But last name first, but then I want to hear your full name. It's like, well, well, okay, I'll do it again. I almost wonder, there's like like something sexist about Mary Sue, right? And like, obviously it originated from this story we read, which was a girl. But people watch James Bond, I think, because they want to like pretend and feel like James Bond and get get the girl, save the day, shoot the bad guy. And it's like, but if Ray gets to do those things too, it's a problem. And is it a problem because they don't like her as a character? Or is it a problem because she's not Luke Skywalker, who was a dude? So, yeah, I mean, that's 100%, I think, what the actual issue is, is sexism. Mm-hmm. Because Anakin Skywalker's basically as annoying as Ray. But people just say, well, he's whiny because he, he's not fully the power fantasy where he's cool, too. He's a power fantasy, but also he's whiny. I don't like it. Did you they don't complain about to... the fact that he's good at everything. Do you listen to the Mega 64 like Star Wars podcast? Uh, Yeah, the one a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Because they, they talk about that, right? Where like people are mad that like Darth Vader walks out of the thing and he's covered in Darth Vader armor and he like slips and falls because he's not used to being a cyborg now. He's like, I thought he'd be fucking cool. And it's like, he just went through surgery and he became a robot. <laughs> he, <laughs> like, he's fuck literally, off. You just watched his skin melt off like five minutes ago. Um, like the real conclusion is that Star Wars fans are stupid. I don't. I think the real conclusion is there's people that call themselves Star Wars fans, and I don't think they like Star Wars. Yeah. I. I there was a great email I read. Um. I heard on a on a podcast somebody wrote in and they said uh, like blah 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 here's the problem with the prequels and here's the problem with the sequels blah 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 and he like he articulated this whole thing that he was trying to not sound biased but clearly he you no know, he put thought into this and this is why he's upset and he he concluded it with saying they haven't made a good Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back and the hosts read this and then pretty much said if if you only like one or two of the movies and it's been 30 years since a good one came out, maybe you don't like these movies and you should stop going. That's almost like an adult measured response. How weird. So it's, it, you know what I'm really dreading is the first like flop of a Marvel movie 
because it's going to yeah, turn into this thing where it's like it's an internet thing to be like, oh man, the the She Hulk, oh, that, that's the death of Marvel, and they're just going to like talk about it because they don't know how else to express emotion, so they like feign hatred and victimhood. Because that's I, they, we we talked about fandoms before, but man, I hate fandoms. I hate the I, I hate the negative fandoms that we're seeing too, right? Like the big one for me is is the movie Cats came out, and I feel like everyone is just trying so hard to have a negative opinion about this movie, because that's the thing to do is to hate it. And yeah, that movie is a fucking mess. But I had so much goddamn fun watching it, and I feel like people are forgetting that part that you can like things that are flawed, and you can have fun, and having fun can be more important than literally anything else. I saw the new Star Wars movie. I had a lot of goddamn fun with it. I don't want to feel like the bad guy because I guess I like the new Star Wars movie even though it was flawed. But it's like, who gives a shit? There's fucking ex- really good lightsaber fights. They, they went to a bunch of new planets. They blew some shit up. The droids were cute. Like, what, what the fuck more do you want? It's Star Wars. I really wish um, they, they, they wouldn't try so hard. It's like they set out like we're going to do a trilogy and it's going to be every two years and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And it's like they set up these boundaries that didn't have to be there and rushed it. And I'm just I'm watching Mandalorian and it's like, oh, this is what I wanted. I I really don't need some of the stuff (laughs) that they put in the movies. There's also definitely that kind of like Marvel tone to some of the Star Wars movies or at least parts where it doesn't belong where like people are cracking jokes and stuff. That just don't fit the scene, and it's like, yeah, but in Marvel they quip. I don't know. I feel like I feel like in Last Jedi the jokes didn't work, but in Rise of Skywalker the jokes did work. I definitely laughed a lot during Rise of Skywalker, and not at the movie, but when I was supposed to. Yeah, but I also don't know why. Like I've been objectively thinking about it, and it's like, why did I hate every joke in in Last Jedi? Like I don't know. It's it was so close to the mark. I think in The Last Jedi, they didn't belong, because that movie was trying to tell, I think, something a lot more serious than what people were were wanting, right? Like, because it was trying to subvert a lot of things, and it was trying to comment on the, the almost, like, socioeconomical, like, version of this galaxy that's far, far away. And there's people profiteering off a of war, and Rey's parents were nobodies, and they're dead for no reason whatsoever, and she's literally, like, lost and alone, and... Kylo's an asshole who wants to kill his mother now after killing his dad. Like, there's a lot of really dark shit in that movie. But then there's these jokes, and you're just like, yeah, but I thought we were having a moment here, and now you're making fun of stuff, and Luke's drinking out of, like, weird alien tits, and it's just totally inconsistent. Whereas in in Rise of Skywalker, that movie is just like, you know what we're going to do is have a good fucking time. And sometimes that means telling jokes that are a little dumb, but who gives a fuck because... We're having a good time. We're not going to slow down at all. We should do a, a Rise of Skywalker show. I definitely have opinions. I mean, the I have notes. Yeah, I don't have notes, but I have cheap opinions. Yeah. Right. I, uh, <laughs> there's, there's things about the movie that are so neat. And then there's other things where it's like, why was that even included? Mm-hmm. Apparently, like, there's another cut of the movie that's that's paced better or something. But it's and probably it's like, like three and a half hours long. Well, yeah, but it even it doesn't have to be. I feel like they could have cut half the stuff in this movie, and it would have been more coherent. But that's a that's a conversation we can have then. Yeah, we should we should. I'm interested for the next uh, the the comics podcast I do right because they're gonna want to talk about that. And Alex and and Jean Luc released like an hour and forty minute episode of how they didn't like the new Star Wars movie. Oh, they didn't like it. I didn't listen to it yet. They they very much did not like it. I didn't listen oh. to it either because I don't give a fuck. Sorry guys, I know you listen to this, <laughs> but uh, it just I don't know. I I don't gonna get anything out of like listening to that. Like the idea of like oh Jenny Nicholson, I like her a lot. Oh she didn't like the new Star Wars movie. I don't need to watch that video. Like I had fun. I don't need someone to like poison the fun. I'm not gonna like search out negativity anymore. I feel like I'm too old for that and I don't have time for it. Yeah, I. I don't mind the negativity. I like hearing um, different reads and different interpretations of stuff. What bugs me is the stuff that they aren't even like correct reads. It's like, were you too busy tweeting during the movie to catch that shot? You know, like, why are you confused about that? If you weren't paying attention, no wonder you didn't like it. There's other like legitimate complaints. I was like, oh, okay, I see it. 
but I've been hearing a lot of weird like made up stuff too. So it's just it's been a weird it's it's yeah. weird that a movie comes out and it's like an affront to society. There are it's absolutely a, it's a sci-fi movie <laughs> about leg- space wizards and laser right. swords. Because there are, there are absolutely legitimate complaints to the movie that I agree with. It just it comes down to like how much do they bother you? And it that comes down to like what are you looking for going into this movie? Because if you're setting your expectations for something that it's never going to give you, you're going to be disappointed. Well, you know, okay, so funny thing. Uh, did you hear the big Pokemon news today? I did not. They announced an expansion pack for the new game. Is it more Pokemon? It's more Pokemon and region. Like, there's, there's like, new land and stuff to do and clothes um, and some other features. And, and people are just livid about a children's game and they're they're livid and it's weird because i i thought the complaint was they don't have enough pokemon so they put more pokemon in and it's like and they they don't no they don't now they're charging for it and it's like they release pokemon games annually like are you were you gonna buy the full price 1.1 like sincerely were you gonna buy that but you're upset about dlc that costs half as much and I get if you just if you're not happy with it, but people are literally getting worked up about it more than World War Three stuff. It's it's like it's weird how the perspective gets lost. And this oh, is man. this is upsetting to their core. It's like they're at it again. That is that is like hardcore. Fuck it. The internet is like no perspective. Be upset. We it really a- is, but man, it's like I just want to play Pokemon. Right. Can you can you shut up for five minutes? So we're at we're at fifty minutes. Um, I have a I have a write in question uh, from Heather because she found this podcast and I figure you know what if if she if she's gonna maybe listen to it I'm gonna ask her hey you want to write in a question this is what we're talking about and uh, she asks what is your favorite character flaw in stories what do you look for in order to really stay intrigued and not get bored so we've been talking about character flaws and we've been talking about perfect characters but I think that's a a, a good maybe into this episode is what's something we do like what what's a what's a problem we we like in to having a character hmm i feel like it's a hard question i think it's a good question but it's a hard one to answer cuz context is so important cuz well I, to a degree but i'm i'm thinking about it and it's like i think what i really love in a flawed character is a flaw that you don't realize you identify with um, right what comes to mind is when someone is selfish because it's very easy to be in a situation where you just say, you know what? I earned blank. Mm -hmm. And so when a character flaw is they're going to do something for themselves, but it's not necessarily framed as like, and I'll steal the diamond for myself. It's like, uh, I like when, when Anakin kills Count Dooku. Because he knows he shouldn't, but it's like, you know what, after after the first 15 minutes of this damn movie, I'm going to kill somebody, and he kills Count Dooku. Yeah. Because this, this whole thing escalated fast. There's a whole army right outside Coruscant, and they abducted the Emperor of the Galaxy. And it's like, wow, wait, you know what, uh, Count Dooku, you caused enough trouble. I'm going to end this war, and so he kills him. And it's it's stuff like that. If, you, if you're, you're sitting there going like, yeah, they killed the bad guy. And then you have to stop and think afterwards, like, wait a minute, were they supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. But you were with them for a moment. If you can if you can identify with the flaw subconsciously, I feel like that's a great way to care about the story moving forward. Because it puts you in their shoes. I absolutely agree. If you I think a good villain is largely engaging if you see yourself in the villain. Or the complete reverse, where they're such a sociopathic asshole that you're just like, I can't wait to see what this fucker does next. Like, jo- Joffrey Baratheon in uh, Game of Thrones is a, a really good example of that, where he's such a reprehensible piece of fucking shit. But I love every scene he's in because he's, like, basically, you know, Discord, right? He's chaos. He, you don't know what he's going to do, only that it's going to be awful. And no one is going to be able to stop him. And it's going to have repercussions that affect the entire fucking country. And I think there's something kind of fun with that, but you have to do it... You, you have to execute it really well, otherwise it's going to be like a cartoon. I know it was a running gag for a bit, but I actually did see Ad Astra. Oh, yeah? 
Um, I really liked that movie. Oh, nice. Uh, it, it, I forget. Did you ever see it? No. I love. Um, he's he's not a Mary Sue, but he's also like by far the best at everything. Um, like there's a part where he's like falling from from practically orbit to the Earth. And he literally, like, he did not pass out, and his uh, his heart rate never, like, went up too high. And they're doing, like, a medical test afterwards. It's like, yeah, you should have fainted, like, five times over. And he's like, ah, no, I'm good. And whenever he's in a challenge, he, he manages to deal with it. But the whole theme of the movie is what his internal struggles that are a lot deeper than, like, the outside world that he's coping with. And the whole thing gets really big, but the story maintains with his internal struggle. Oh, cool. And it's very good. Like, I, I, I'm tired of these movies that always have, like, a MacGuffin or you found the, the elixir. And it's like, you know, you don't always need the elixir. So it's kind of neat. <laughs> like, watching this movie, it was like, it was everything I like about 2001 Space Odyssey without retelling that. It was a new story. But it was that tone and what I like about that movie. Sure. Uh, but back to the topic, really. Um, he is a flawed character. But it's so complicated and human that you know he basically just has father issues. That anyone, even even people that don't have father issues, you could understand. Oh, I get what he's feeling, um, because they do such a good job of framing it. Uh, so that was a good one. It's funny. One of the things I, I this is a slightly back like twenty minutes ago or whatever when we were talking about Mary Sue's and and, and character flaws and stuff is that. Uh, I was trying to think of, like, old literature that's, like, fairly well-respected, right? Like, if you look at Beowulf, I'm pretty sure that dude, it's been a long time since I read Beowulf, but he kills Grendel, and he does it naked because he wants to make it a fair fight because he's that fucking strong. And then he has to swim down and kill Grendel's mother because she's being a problem because, evidently, when someone kills your son, you get mad. And then it jumps forward a long time, and there's a dragon, and he kills the dragon and saves the kingdom. I was like, I don't think Beowulf has any fucking flaws. I think he's just the cool, uh, I can't remember the name of the, of the people. It's not Thanes, but it's something similar. And he, you know, he's he's like this like Superman figure to them. But he, does, he he's not a complicated character. He just kills monsters, and that's neat. And we've been reading that story for like a couple thousand fucking years. <laughs> oh yeah. And so it's funny to think like. You know, the idea of, like, the Mary Sue is a bad thing is in some ways true, but it, if the story is captivating or if, if there's something about the story that strikes a chord, it, it doesn't fucking matter at all. Uh, audiences at large will not care. I've said it before, but you know the bane of all society and culture? Uh, what? TVTropes.com. Oh, man, I like TV Tropes. So here, here's the problem. TV Tropes is informative. Yes. Um, People will go there and they'll read, oh, blank is a trope. I can virtue signal and pretend I'm smarter by calling it out every time I see it. And then they'll point at everything and go, that's a Mary Sue. That's a Mary Sue. That's a Mary Sue. I'm smart because I called it before you did. I noticed the problem and you didn't even know there was a problem because there wasn't one. And... There's a weird thing where you can recognize a trope. That doesn't mean that the story is bad. Right. There's a time and a place for things, but you have to be aware of what the things are. It's kind of like saturated fats. You don't want to just eat fatty food all the time, but there's a there are dishes where the fats are what make it taste good. Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware, oh, this is really fatty. I shouldn't have this all the time. And, oh, today's a special occasion. I'm going to enjoy that fat burrito. The The same thing applies to storytelling. Um, I, oh, so there's a there's a interesting comic going around. Did you see that comic about the new guy? No. So the, there's this comic where you might have to see it because it's going to sound like I'm being like biased when I describe it. But it's like there's a lady... The new guy comic. There's a lady that works at a... Uh, <laughs> These are all like parodies. Why can't I just find the comic? This this lady works at like a coffee shop, right? All oh, these pop-ups. Nothing's working right. Firefox updated today, and then one of the sites I go to, my ad blocker doesn't work on anymore. I'm just like, oh, that oh, sucks. Okay, this is... Okay. Uh, so I sent you the comic. 
Um, so there's a lady reading her phone and she's like, and she's laughing at something and there's a guy here and he's like, Oh, what's funny. And she says, Oh, that millionaire gamer bro douchebag got robbed. Ha ha ha. And then he's like, well, Hey, how'd you feel if you were robbed? And then she says, Oh, I can tell we're going to be the kind of coworkers to become good friends. And he's like, wow, really? And she's like, hell no. I don't know so, what this comic is trying to tell me, but I don't like it. Well, so here's here's what the comic... Th- this is the problem with it. But the debate about the comic isn't getting the point either. Political comics, historically, going all the way back to forever, have always been straw man arguments. Typically, you have one panel, and to get a point across, you have to condense the thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you use a straw man. You, you draw... Uh, Trump as he's fat and ugly and he has stupid hair and he's holding a briefcase that's labeled with topical subject and you get the point across. Right. Um, that's objectively a straw man, but that's straw man is okay. You you want to avoid a straw man if you're in like a debate or if you're writing a thesis. If you're drawing a one panel comic, you use a straw man. That's the format. Okay. So that's okay. <laughs> this comic is weird because this uh this character is supposed to be a straw man, but the character f- the character traits that make them unappealing are that they're white and they're showing empathy. Right, and like I feel like so that's you're supposed to and, not and, like the dude, but because he's drawn weird, right? Like he's got a weird shaped head, and it says new guy. And uh, his eyes are kind of crossed when he's like, "Hey, how'd you feel? How would you feel if you were robbed?" Like he he looks a little goofy. At the same time, though, like that's a pretty legitimate question to ask. Well, he's also very round, which is a a pleasing thing. Normally, characters that are round are nice. Um, he, it's not like he has a swastika tattoo or something. Like, apparently, this is supposed to be a racist skinhead. But within the context of this comic, you don't get that information. Yeah, like, the lady just comes off as a bitch. And that's the thing. The the artist who wrote this pretty much is that lady. And so watching them defend themselves on Twitter has been interesting because they don't understand the flaw in how this straw man was, like, put together. I, I went off topic. But my point is, uh, just because something is a straw man doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's a straw man. Sure. Context. And so bringing this all the way back full circle, I went on a tangent. Taking this back to Mary Sue, I think let's pretend Ray was a Mary Sue and this is just like a power trip fantasy about what if there was a lady who was just so great she saved the day and that's the pitch of the movie. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just you have to know that going into the movie. You know what I mean? The problem, though, is like then the trailers really got to sell you on that. That's what the movie is, right? So you're prepared for it, right? But it's like you could do that, like, and it, this would work as like a kids movie, you know? Like if they framed it in a way where it's like, um, like, like, hey, there, little girl, the the galaxy's bad, and it's like, you know what? You got to help it. It's like, hey, I will. I'm a little girl, and then the movie was like that. I don't think anyone would complain because they understood that going in, right? You know what I mean? So the context is important. Uh, so anyways, Mary Sue's are bad, but they they don't inherently mean that someone doesn't know how to write a character. It just means that they know how to write a Mary Sue. That's fair. I think that's my point. I don't know that I made a well point. Eh. Maybe I shouldn't drink halfway through the show and then and then get articulate. I want to keep drinking is my problem at this point, moment in time. <laughs> It feels so good, Cameron. I don't feel anything. That's the point. Oh. Good for you. Uh, you did it. You succeeded at the drinking. Do you want to share a glad space? Yeah. Made me glad this week. Okay. Um, I got into work today. Well, it wasn't like into work, but it was like punched in from lunch. And my boss is like, hey, I went to the really nice coffee shop and I bought you, I bought you a Freaking super ritzy ass coffee, or well, it was a tea, and I was I was pretty happy about that because those things fucking taste great. That sounds good. It was good. The, to, to be fair, they're like four hundred calories. Oh, it's basically a milkshake with a bit of tea in it, and then it's heated up. 
but they're really, really good. And then cinnamon. There's cinnamon in there in there too. It sounds like a lovely treat. That is something to be glad about. I drank half of it, so I can have the other half tomorrow. That's cool. That's 200 calories. Also, I've had donuts every fucking day this week, and also real bad for me, but you know how happy you are when you have a donut? If you do that every day, you're like happy every day. Why? I hate that things that taste good and make me fat and are just objectively bad for me make me smile. That's so fucked up. But in in the moment of eating, and this is like a four-day-old donut I had today, I didn't give a shit. It was still a donut. And the the, the, the freaking frosting crumbled, and I ate the frosting. It was good frosting. I'm slowly becoming retarded. <laughs> uh, How about you? What are you glad about? Um, I'm glad about... Oh, I, I think I told you about it already, but I'll talk about it on the show. Um, I had a really fun moment on a... Uh, on Final Fantasy, I got married. Yay. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a part in the ceremony where, like, the NPCs will, like, introduce you and you walk down the aisle and there's, like, a whole cutscene. And then they let you talk for 10 minutes. And it's like, okay, time to exchange your vows. And me and the other guy, we don't care. <laughs> like, we're doing this for the mount. So it's like, we, we have, like, a couple dozen people watching us. So it's like, well, I guess we should go through the motions. And, uh, and he said something nice. About blah, 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 and that's why we're getting married. Isn't that nice? And people are like, yay. And I look at the timer, and there's still nine minutes left. Oh, God. And so I'm like, well, nine minutes. That might not be enough time for the full B-movie script. But I'm going to try and fit it in here. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, so I like, I typed in, I cleared my throat. And then I literally started um, transcribing the entire B-movie script as fast as I could. And it put me in tears. I was laughing so hard. And people are asking, like, it, it's open chat. So people are asking, what is going on? What are they saying? What, <laughs> like, what is this? And then someone said, dear God, it's the B-movie script. <laughs> and then I slowed down. I got through the entire, have you ever seen B-movie? No, but I know how it's, like, notorious for this kind of shit. So I got through the whole intro where where Jerry Seinfeld be like woke up for the big day and he talked to his parents and his his parents talked about remodeling the house now that he's going to be moving out and and then they he meets up with his friend and they talk about uh, high school and college and and that one day that he he went abroad and and they're just, they're talking for a while <laughs> and I got through like the first uh, at first I want to say like ten minutes of the movie honestly um. And we're we're just going through it. And right as the timer's coming up, I realized, oh, this is coming up on a great moment to stop. Because oh, I don't God. want to just stop like mid mid thought. And so I'm typing, typing, typing. And they talk about how excited they are about graduating and finally becoming men. And they, they toast and they say to being men and they toast and they say, Be men, Amen, Hallelujah. And I, <laughs> so I typed that out. And then I bowed in front of everyone, and there was a standing ovation because I had stopped. <laughs> and I got these amazing comments afterwards because I was focused so much I couldn't like read it all as yeah. I was going. I'm just like burning through this, and people were like coming up to me and saying like that was the best thing because <laughs> it was such a non sequitur. Yeah. It also had a payoff that it like came together about being optimistic about the future. That's amazing. <laughs> but I was literally I was in tears. It was so funny. This is why we're friends. Uh, we get it. our senses of humor are just like okay, yours is a little more on the cringe side and mine's probably a little more on the vulgar side, but like I feel like we complement each other like a you know like the yin yang thing. We certainly do. And I hope you listeners out there uh, feel the same way. I still can't believe you wore white to that wedding. I wore gray so that there's white plausible the deniability. I, f- I thought you guys were going to wear like your Dumb and Dumber tuxedos. No, that was that was me and Richard. And I, out of respect, I didn't take that joke from him. Oh, so you who the fuck did you get married to? Uh, some other guy. Oh. He wants to play uh, Warframe tonight. You want to play Warframe? Um, I was thinking Overwatch, because then Joe okay. can play. I'll tell him to bugger off. I mean, you you married him, but you can tell him to bugger off. I'll tell him to bugger off. We'll play yeah. some Overwatch. 
I should not have another drink. <laughs> but also, <laughs> this has well, been really fun. It has been really fun. Good night, everybody. Night. And remember, everyone loves you because you're Mary Sue. Yeah. Everyone loves you because... Oh, shit, I can't think of a good reason. You might be fucked, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>